What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to Pogo City 600th episode. Here's Blanks. Blank 77. Fuck Halloween on. God damn. It, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Had a lot going on. It was uh, Renee wasted its uh, birthday. So we missed a couple shows because of that, because we were throwing her a surprise party. And uh, Sean hasn't been around, been all busy with the two kids and shit. So I've been holding out on this 600th episode. And I was like, fuck it. There's been plenty of episodes in the 600 of me flying solo. So maybe we'll just take this 600 episode. I had a plan for it. We were going to talk about like we'd been doing in the past couple episodes with me, Renee, Sean, Jason. We were talking about bands we all have a love-hate relationship with. And uh, we were also talking about bands that seem to be polarizing in the punk scene that we personally like that uh, plenty of other people seem to uh, despise or at least not think too highly of now. Uh, so we're going to talk about in this one, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to give you five bands that, um, you know, aren't considered punk because they're typically not punk, but they had a big influence on the punk scene. Most of them predate punk. One of them is kind of there for the beginnings of punk, but still had to squeak them in there because originally I was just going to do three and Renee or Jason would do three and Sean would do three, but I'm going to give you my personal five in this episode. And we're also going to be talking about some Halloween movies, mostly some Rob Zombie movies, because I, I need to talk about this Monsters 
Munsters fucking movie, and it's not even really the movie. It's more the sheep. Bah! Yes, I'm talking about you that are all on the internet standing in a line like, this movie sucks. Rob Zombie should never make films. Stop fucking around with things that remind me of my childhood that came out 30 years before I was born. It's absolutely fucking ridiculous. I think it might be where we actually have to start the show off with. It was funny. I mean, I, I put a post saying on Facebook, what are all the sheep up to today? And of course, you know, some people would get triggered by that. But there was quite a few that thought I was talking about something more serious. And I'm like, no, I'm talking about the fucking Rob Zombie movie. And apparently the fucking new Halloween movie which I've yet to see, but plan on watching later today. But it just seems like everybody wants to shit on everything. And I fucking hate that because it, just like I talk about with like scene movies and punk movies that are like in Hollywood, but depict punk and people are like, oh my God, sell out. Like stop talking shit or this shit isn't going to happen. I, I'm not like some huge Blink-182 fan, but the thing still said with, um, What's his name? Coming back to Blink-182, Tom. I see all these posts online. Fuck you, Tom. Tickets are expensive now. Like, people are so ridiculous. First of all, Blink-182 is not like a street punk band that you've ever been able to pay like eight bucks for and see. And if you were, it was like 30 fucking years ago. And um, it's like, come on. It's like these people are on major labels uh, they've changed sounds dramatically. They have a huge following. They've been gone with this, um, you know, legendary, if you will, lineup for like 10 years. And now they come back and people are like, Tom sucks. Tickets aren't 20 bucks. Well, then don't fucking go. You're like 40. What are you going to see Blink-182 for anyway? Like, honestly, I mean, I've seen Blink-182. I was like 12. I had a blast. I went crowd surfing. It was actually a lot of fun. They had a moving drum set, told lots of funny jokes that would now be offensive and they'd be canceled. But uh, yeah, it was before all that emo stuff. It was during like Enema of the State, which you know, pretty childish and silly, but therefore funny and cool. And I like the fact that you're triggered that I'm sitting here with a Giants hoodie and some studs, which is controversial enough talking about how Blink-182 isn't terrible and they're not, they are overcharging for tickets, but they're a mainstream band. Like if you went to go see Aerosmith, you, you don't pay 30 bucks to see Aerosmith. You don't pay 30 bucks to see the Dropkick Murphys. I just can't stand people who just want to be in line and the general opinion is just everything sucks. It's such like an old guy opinion. It's like things were better when I was a kid. Well, okay, you fucking boomer. You're not a kid anymore. And I can't get over this monsters thing. People, it was a TV show for children. It was out for two years. They had 50 episodes in each seasons. Okay. And what this movie does as well as many kids, PG movies that are about Halloween. A lot of it's about the look because what's one of the main things with Halloween the look it's loud it's kind of gothic it's almost punk rock it's obnoxious good girls get to dress like sluts it's a lot of fun what I'm saying is Halloween has to do a lot with the look the aesthetic 
And Rob Zombie nailed that shit. I mean, none of the lighting is natural. It's all like purple and green. Kind of looks like a strip strip club. But it looks fucking awesome. The makeup's great. It's cool seeing everybody in color. I would have liked to see maybe Eddie or Marilyn. I understand it's a prequel, so they weren't really around yet. The, a big part in Lily's husband. But I feel like plenty of the... Or not Lily's husband, Lily's brother. I feel like plenty of the people who are complaining don't actually know the monsters because the thing monsters because it was filled with callbacks even to the costumes and i feel like people didn't pick up on that and i feel like they're not real monsters fans because it's not like grandpa was sucking people's blood it's not like eddie was turning people into other fucking wolfman the whole show is basically premised on how they look all grotesque but think they're gorgeous and marilyn's like a knockout and brings home all these boyfriends who go running screaming once they see Herman and people think the family thinks Marilyn's ugly, but they're actually scared. And it's all these callbacks. I mean, they're even doing like beach episodes where they wear those ridiculous 60s bathing suits with like stripes on them and they they redo like the scene when they're on like the gondola and he has Herman has the ridiculous hat I feel like plenty of people who are complaining about these movies didn't even pick up on these callbacks to other episodes I feel like they don't know what the show is about because it was a children's show it was corny it was for kids like it was a monster family sitcom I think Rob Zombie did a Good job. I, uh, the beginning was slow. Um, Sherry Moon Zombie's acting is not the greatest, but the movie's still cool. It's still funny. It still makes you laugh. It's still something your kids could watch. The Monsters wasn't designed for 40-year-olds. It was like an afternoon TV show with monsters from the 60s fallback people so many reviews that i read people didn't even get through the first 10 minutes people just want to shit on it a because it's a remake b because it's rob zombie and c because it's trendy get off your high horse what the fuck did you make today fucking nothing right did you go to work and hate your job and is, is that all you accomplished and you're jealous because rob zombie gets to make fucking monster movies while you work at like some carpenter or welding or drive an uber and some fucking office it's fucking awesome that the monsters are back and my kids get to watch it and i got news for you my kids saw the black and white monsters years before this you're the one slacking halloween is here don't shit on it if you're too fucking responsible and mature for it i don't know what the fuck you're listening to this show for but if you ever listen to this show, you know I do not fall in line with whatever the general consensus fucking punk rock opinion is. And the general opinion is the monster sucked. No, it didn't. It wasn't the greatest movie of all time, but it was fucking cool and it was worth watching and I would watch it again. Just like the second Hocus Pocus. Oh, you're all fucking crying now, aren't you? Yeah, second Hocus Pocus. Pretty fucking good. I liked it. Kiss my ass if you don't like the first one. Second one was good. It's been like 20 years, 30 years maybe, and filled with callbacks, yes, but that's why it's funny. Just like the Austin Powers movies. It was good that they got the main cast back together, all the witches, even even Billy. It was, it was good. It was good. They, they Lots of callbacks, funny, you know, uh, kind of a prequel. Kind, it's somewhat of a prequel because it deals with the witches being children. And then it goes in past this sack of, uh, what do you call them, coven of witches. And I don't want to give any spoilers, but it was definitely funny. Definitely made for kids. Blondie's in the sidetrack, soundtrack. Like, come on. It was fucking funny. It was good. I enjoyed it. Stop 
being such haters, I think it's just trendy to talk about how everything sucks. That um, it is kind of ironic that we started off the show with fuck Halloween, but uh, I know it's it's pretty good. It's awesome. There's not that many punk rock. Well, there's plenty of horror punk bands, but there's not that many like non horror punk. Halloween songs and it's great that Blanks has one and it's funny because it's fuck Halloween because I know Renee loves Halloween and she wrote that song but from what I understand she was told she had to write that song on one of their like days off from touring and was not happy about it so Born was fuck Halloween because she was pretty mad because she had to write a song in the van real quick for them to go record for some comp that we just played. I actually have the seven inch version over there. It's um, a tribute to the devil's holiday, I believe it's called. I think the boils are on it. And uh, we'll probably, we're probably gonna have to bust out that record and play some of the other tracks on it as well. It was also on the uh, Disarming Violence CD comp, but it originally was out on the devil's tribute to the devil's holiday. I know the boils are on it. I'm trying to think of who else is on it, but uh, we're going to talk about some punk influences to further enrage the masses. I feel like it's only fitting. Like we do the wild card, at least we used to, but it gets us tagged too much, but we would do the wild card where we would play something off format. I've played plenty of the bands we're going to talk about today. I haven't played all of them, but I don't like this whole only punk is cool and only this type of punk is cool and if you don't do it this way you're not cool it's just like idiots arguing over the christian religion or any religion for that matter like i pray with my hands up you pray with your hands down let's kill each other it's nonsense like we, we don't all have to be all super punk all the time, and anything that's ever made money doesn't mean it's not punk rock. Like, it's, it's just fucking ridiculous. And I like, I do agree that punk is very primal and didn't take much to exist, but as this show goes, you will see that some did unknowingly help pave the way for punk rock now we're gonna get to a track that'll probably get us tagged if we're muted on facebook the podcast will be available in its entirety sounding better with all the tracks and all the go fuck yourselves uh you guys can find it at pogocity.com also on spotify apple podcast or whatever the fuck it's called now they're always changing the name of this apple shit but uh find it wherever you find podcasts and at pogocity.com if this song is cut we're getting to some original Danzig misfits who have another show going on. I think they're out in Vegas again. I'm not sure. It's another reunion with uh, Danzig, Doyle, and Jerry. We are going to play some Last Caress while I dig out that tribute to the Devil's Holiday 7-inch. Here's Last Caress, the misfits on Pogo, bitches. Ah, always fucking shit up. Uh, shit's always got to be fucked up, right? Always got to fuck it up. We We had things... Oh, God, it's getting even worse. We had things going fine. And then... I killed a baby today. I got a pooch. I got something to say. I killed a baby today. But the man about to me. I've done everything. But I got something to say. I'll take your mother today. But the man about to me. I've done everything. 
Alright, some misfits on. Alright, classic right there. And a song I like to bring up plenty of times when people want to complain about Gigi, who we've talked about in plenty of the uh, recent episodes in both of the last couple episodes we've spoken about Gigi. But we're here for Halloween. I was I was pulling out a dab because you know I need my reefers. And uh, I did in a split second, I have most of my blanks records to the front, did remember that I was supposed to find songs for the witching season, a punk rock tribute to the devil's holiday, showing it to the camera if you guys are watching on Facebook. Now, we played the first song on this record. It was the first song on the podcast. That was Blank 77, Fuck Halloween. There is also the Showcase Showdown, the Boils and Patriot, who played recently around here. And uh, they had a makeup show. I'm pretty sure the drummer broke their hand or thumb a couple months earlier, had to cancel, and then they rescheduled. So we're going to play this whole record, but before we do we've we've given some a fair amount of halloween talking i gotta get my uh little vagina diary here uh rude girl jess gave it to me it says letting you plenty of people just see the word my vagina and the lips and they're like what is this but what the book actually says is letting you into my vagina was the best decision i ever made with some kissy lips and uh, yes, I, I, I have my bands written in my uh, vagina diary. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So basically, I'm kind of thinking of it as like a whole wild card go fuck yourself episode. Like that's how we'd celebrate 600 episodes. Just telling everyone to go fuck themselves. You know what I mean? And um, and I was getting uh, plenty of messages, people looking for the 600 episode. We used to do at least two a week consistently, not missing any for like four years. Then we slowed down after five. And this past year, I have been so hit and miss. There's been so much going on. We got to get back to a regular schedule. But regardless, here is episode 600. And I feel it is good to talk about the influences of punk and i think the first one i'm going to go with um is one of the easiest most common even though this list is going to be weird and i'm going with a british band and i i think any of there, there's a couple british bands from the 60s on this list and number one we're going with is the who now i feel like first of all the first time Ava, who's now eight, my daughter, ever saw The Who playing live. It was even them, like, all old and shit. It, it, she's watching it, and she was totally captivated because Pete Townsend, the guitar player doing the windmills, one of the first dudes to really, like, start smashing guitars regularly and make it their thing. You know, she was so captivated by Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey and just their attitude and, like... Even though, like, some of the songs will be heavy and some of it will be kind of lame and Pete Townsend will be singing, like, the slow part and Babbo O'Reilly. Still, they're just so amped and they feel it. And it's raw emotion. And that's what punk rock's all about. And it is part of that British invasion. And I feel like the British punk scene has always been more violent and vicious. And the Who was very big with, like, wearing the flag or, like, patriotic things. And it could be almost ironically in the sex pistols took that but just the whole bad boy we're we're outlaw rock stars we break the rules fuck you we spit and 
smash up hotel rooms, smash up our guitars. And I really think The Who was like really that first band to be like, fuck you, we don't give a shit about your daytime television. We're going to be here. We're going to be loud. We're going to be offensive. We're going to scream curses into the mic. You know what I mean? Like a lot of bands didn't do that. And also it's funny just because John Etwistle is like one of the most talented bass players ever, but like he's he's the exact opposite of Roger Daltrey and um, Pete Townsend. And my daughter saw him. So this must have been when they were younger before he died. She was like, how come the bass player doesn't move at all? Is he alive? And it was just funny because I feel like there's plenty of people in bands like that too. Like I used to remember back when Doris used to play in 21 rounds, Main Street Mayhem, like local bands from Jersey and um, Easton and stuff like that. Like me, I want to be out front and yelling and jumping up and down. And like, there's plenty of people who want to like turn around and face their amp and act like I'm not there. I'm not there. And uh, Renee always says, Anthony from the bristles and, um, Dean Dean and the Sex Machines was like that. Like very Kurt Cobain, look at the floor. So even though we got Pete Townsend going all crazy, doing windmill, smashing his guitar, which is one side of the punk rocker, they also had John S. Etwistle like representing the what would be the introverted punk rocker. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the background, shy, not saying anything. I mean, even the um even um Oh, what's it called? That fucking British show that was only on for one season. They do the who gag where they're like, nobody wants to be John Etwistle. Not even John Etwistle. <laughs> like, oh, what the fuck is uh, the, 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 the young ones, the young ones I'm talking about. Only one season of that show. I've definitely gone back and watched it a little bit of before my time. But um, it was fun. I mean, anytime you see a punk rocker on screen, kind of reminds me of like that 80s show, which uh, was like a parody of that 70s show that came later but only lasted for one season. Fucking uh, Glenn Howerton or whatever, Dennis from Always Sunny in Philadelphia was actually one of the main characters in that 80s show. And he works in a record store and there's like this Aaron Michelo type chick who's real cute with Liberty Spikes, who's like not like what we would really consider our type of punk, but the stereotype of punk. And that's like his love interest. It, it was kind of good. The retro, not the retro ones, the young ones kind of reminded me of that where it's like this show's not that great, but it's just cool that there's some like punk influence to it. You know what I mean? Because I don't know if it was the British accents. I had some trouble with that with the uh, British office, which I do like a lot. But like some of the jokes would go over my head. I don't understand the lingo or I literally can't understand what they're saying. So uh, sticking with the 60s British invasion, I'm going to go with a second band from this British invasion as my number two band influencing punk rock before punk rock of bands that are not actually punk rock themselves this one's punk rock to me one of my all-time favorites i'm talking about the kinks by far my favorite of the british invasion bands now there's plenty of different stories about the first time distortion was used and this is definitely not the first time distortion came out on a record however it is one of the most famous times one of the earliest times a story that gets said to be the first time, but there's definitely times that predate it. And uh, But I'm talking about, so there is, 
what is there, the Davies brothers or something like that in the Kinks? There's two brothers in the Kinks, and they don't get along. And they both argue about how this happened. One says they were arguing in the control room while they were recording You Really Got Me. And um, they were arguing. One brother says he got mad and took his knitting needle and shoved it into the cone of the speaker. Why he was carrying a knitting, knitting, knitting needle, I do not know. But uh, the, other, the other brother claims he did it in a fit of rage and cut it with a knife, like put an X in a paper cone speaker and they decided to record You Really Got Me With It. And if you listen to that song, it just sounds like a blown up, torn up speaker. It sounds like a speaker ripped with a knife. There is not uh, too many pedals going around now. I think this predates the Maestro Fuzz Tone, which is what Keith Richards would use in Satisfaction. And the first like overdrive distortion pedal was used. And in the that part, he was tracking it for a trumpet. It was just a demo, kind of like the uh, Dead Boys' first album where Jimmy's Zero's, Jimmy Zero's vocals are way too loud. The backing vocals, and they're terrible, but it was never re-recorded because it was supposed to be for a demo. Keith Richards was trying to mimic a horn part, bought the Maestro Fuzz Tone because it was advertised to make your guitar sound like a horn, which it does not recorded it, didn't even know that track got used in the recording, heard it on the radio, thought his whole career was over, but really revolutionized guitar. Anyway, the Kinks tear up their speaker to get distortion. You Really Got Me is recorded. And also, like I said, that whole British invasion, just with the smashing the guitars and the wrecking the hotel rooms, being rebels, rock and roll outlaws. A lot of this list is just about being rock and roll outlaws. And I feel like so many people from the 50s and 60s don't get the credit they deserve. And it's so funny because half their songs are about like holding hands and shit, some of these 50s bands. And it's like the parents are like, like, oh my God, the kids are going to get pregnant. Turn off this devil music. And it's like such an, a light version of it. And it's taken so hard and records are burned in the street. And we're going to talk about one record that was burned in the street as our third choice. But we're going to spin a record first. We're going to play two tracks. We're going to play the B-side of this uh, Songs for the Witching Season, a punk rock tribute to the Devil's Holiday. We are going to play the B-side up next as soon as I unmute the turntable. And we are going to hear the Boils up first with Devil's Eve. And then we're going to hear Patriot with Evil Spirits up next on Pogo City Radio. Hopefully I got this spinning at the right speed. I fucking doubt it. I'll tell you that much. Let's see if this is spinning at the right I'm gonna have to go with a. I'm gonna have to go with that was a uh, technical difficulty there. I think we might need a new uh, needle. I don't know why all the records have been sliding off the edge. All the needles been sliding off the edge of the record. It's a real pain in the dick. But we got uh, the boils up next. Hopefully this works this time. Nope. Fucking rounded ass records, man. God damn it. Why won't this? It keeps falling off the edge. We need to cut this out. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Someone get me a helper, god damn it. This is insane. I keep dropping it. The record's so rounded. Ridiculous. I hope no one's watching live. There we go. Boils.
All right, so coming out of Philly, that was the Boils. Here's Patriot up next with Evil Spirits. This all coming off the Creep Records number 42 release, Songs for the Witching Season, a punk rock tribute to the Devil's Holiday. Patriot on Pogo City Radio. Some Halloween. I think I'm going to go check out the new Halloween Ends movie as soon as we end this show. I'm not sure, though, because I'm finally, finally getting my super hard-on clean boost pedal back in the mail today. It was actually delivered here on, like, Saturday, and I wasn't home, and it comes through the Postal Service. And, of course... The Postal Service having to deal with the government, they suck, of course, and they don't leave the package if you don't answer your door, and they leave you some fucking note, and then if you're me, you flip the fuck out, because it's like, motherfucker, I have like $1,000 guitars dropped off at my house on the porch, you better drop off this goddamn pedal, you son of a bitch, who signs for packages these days, this is why Amazon is beating you, this is why Jeff Bezos has all the goddamn money. That and my entire house is powered by Amazon. That might be why, too. I'm such a poser. Deal with it. (laughs) 
Convenience, motherfucker. Convenience. But yes, now I'm waiting for it to get re-delivered today. It's super hard on great pedal. Z-Vex effects. Legendary pedal. Got a hand-painted one, luckily, because I blew mine up. So then they fix it for free if you get the extremely expensive hand-painted ones. But yeah, what what better pedal than the super hard on? I've been all about clean boosts lately and um, stacking overdrives and such. And um, I, I put the vibro champ from the 60s an actual old school vintage fender fender vibro champ amp up for sale and i uh, made a video of me playing some link array on it the track rumble boosting that a little now according to reverb it's sold but i'll believe it when i get the money there's plenty of people who try and scam you on reverb if you guys don't know reverb definitely got to check it out it's fucking awesome it's an ebay but only for like guitars and basses and amps and shit so you guys definitely should have an account over there even if you just want to drool and don't want to buy anything but um i allegedly sold the champ amp for like 1700 bucks but it hasn't cleared yet so i'm not mailing that shit yet but i did the video i was playing link ray rumble and he is number three on my list of people who influenced punk rock that they themselves are not punk rock and one of the main reasons being it's hard to tell this stuff some facts i get said but aren't really proven one of them is that um that um uh uh what's his name from rocket 88 I, I i said the wrong name last time uh i said it was uh whitney houston's dude i mean rolling on a river what the who the fuck sang rolling on a river i not whitney houston what the fuck is her name and her husband him he did the distortion rocket 88 what the fuck i feel like an idiot but there's also but you can't really know that for sure people also say that elvis was um Jailhouse Rock was the first number one hit with Tina Turner, Ike Turner. That's Rocket 88. But they say that um, Jailhouse Rock was the first number one hit with an electric bass in it. But um, they also say that Ike Turner was the first person to use distortion. People say that Link Ray was the first person to use distortion. He was not. But another thing that gets said about Link Ray that may be true, more likely to be true, is he was the first one to make an entire song using like power chords which is all punk rock is today i mean pretty much it's it's 99.8 percent power chords and i would venture out to say that all rock music from nickelback to blink 182 to aerosmith is at least 95 percent power chords and um you know link ray definitely did that the song was called rumble and the thing that's hilarious is the song has no words that there are no words not even an oh wipe out like no words whatsoever it's just a vibrato riff with the amp cutting in and out overdriven to all hell which was not considered a good sound back then with the vibrato chip set so high it's flat out square waving and cutting out towards some of the end of the song and just like one riff kind of over and over again with a little pentatonic lead lick. It was as simple as possible. There was no words and the song got banned because people thought it was going to cause a riot. There's no words. There's no words. And they thought that the guitar tones would cause teenagers to riot and banned a song with no words. It doesn't get 
more punk rock than a song getting banned with no words for using power chords. That is punk rock at its finest, okay? And getting back to that whole rebel thing, this this whole 50s time, this is the first time women, it's so funny because my kids watch all the biopics, like the new Elvis movie, and they're like, why are they screaming, the girls, like there's nothing even happening, and why are the parents so mad? It's just like so ridiculous, and it's so funny because it happens in like every generation. It's always something, just like, you know, the fear-mongering on like Fox News where it's like, there's razor blades in your candy now there's weed in your candy now there's fentanyl in your candy meanwhile there's never been an actual proven case of a kid being harmed from halloween candy in america so you know like it's it's just there's always something to hype but like i feel like it almost works counterproductive in the people trying to do the counter cancel culture even back then because it just promotes it more it makes it more infamous do you know what i mean it's why some of this stuff has lived on as long as it did because that dj who locked himself in the office and in the spin room and um played all rock and roll songs and got all these rock acts rock like the four seasons or all, all these rock and roll acts discovered by barricading himself in a room and spinning records for like a full day until the police came and broke down the door and ripped them out they're playing stuff like buddy holly and link ray and like just all that the sacrifice some people made to just get this music out there companies being threatened people being threatened and i just can't get over the fact that they banned link ray's song and it doesn't even have words and you know the song i'm talking about it goes drum 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 it's in like every pulp fiction movie like it's it ding 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 like it's in every quint it's in pulp fiction for sure you know what i mean when they're at like the the 50s restaurant jack rabbit slims what a great movie Plenty of people like to shit on Quentin Tarantino, too. I think he's one of the greatest directors of all time. So to recap, we have said, I have said, The Who, The Kinks, <clears throat> and Link Ray are three of the five influences on punk rock that predate punk rock. I don't know how I want to phrase it, but go suck my fucking dick. We're going to try and play the showcase showdown up next. And the reason why I say try is because it's the second song on this record. So uh, you may hear some of Blank's Fuck Halloween again before we hear the showcase showdown because I think uh, we've already established the fact that I'm having some needle trouble today. And this is the second song on the record. So hopefully... Here's the beginning of the Showcase Showdown. Good job, Andrew. Good the fuck enough. Some dead time between tracks. Showcase Showdown.
All right, that was the showcase showdown with the only scary thing about Halloween is your fucking face. Have more true words ever been spoke? <laughs> but yeah, so we've played all four songs off the um, Creep Records release songs for the witching season, a punk rock tribute to the Devil's Holiday. Blank 77 showcase showdown, the Boils and Patriot. Now, uh, we also snuck in some Misfits. I got some other tracks we're going to be spinning as well, but uh, we're going to get back to our list. And uh, I got two more. And um, so far, everything's been from like the 60s. So I think we're going to go back a little further with this next one. And we're really going to genre jump now. And I'm talking about one of my favorites, Johnny Cash. Now, we're getting into country, we're getting into gospel, we're getting into rock and roll, but Johnny Cash was one of the most badass motherfuckers to ever be on a stage. I mean, whether <clears throat> whether it's playing live in Folsom Prison, whether it's, you know, being arrested for drugs at the airport, whether it's for falling off the stage fucked up, whether, I mean, all these things that we sit there and we're like, ew, I don't like that. But actually, that's what like drew you to punk rock and rock and roll in the first place is what drew me to it. I loved guys like Scott Weiland and fucking Axl Rose and Johnny Thunders. Like that's, that is the edginess. That is Gigi Allen. That was Johnny Cash and like you know Johnny Cash even has this whole like passionate love story to it this whole story of like redemption a story of failure do you know what I mean of of unlimited success it just you know from the from the the the, the golden spoon to the, the the fucking dumpster you know what I mean it's all there it's all raw it's all with Johnny Cash and you hear lyrics that push boundaries you hear lyrics that offend you hear lyrics that could be controversial today you know what i mean who else was bringing music to prisons like i've seen concerts in jail but like johnny cash was the first to do that i'm sorry man and to be in those california like maximum security prisons that are infamous to this day for housing some of the most violent, depraved, vicious human beings that have ever walked in this country. And just the whole rebel attitude to it, pushing the boundaries, lines about doing cocaine and killing your wife. Like, who the fuck else was singing songs about blowing lines and shooting your wife with a 44 like do you know what i mean and then going on the run and then like getting hemmed up and being like ah shit i'm in jail and i'd do it again you know what i mean <laughs> like it was just badass and not just in the lyrics it was he lived his life pushing boundaries he lived his life it was like every pro performance was like a sacrifice just like you see johnny thunders it was like is he gonna die on stage right now and from what i could see with johnny cash that's what it was and i also have you know the utmost respect for him lasting so long not dying and not falling out of music the man was releasing cover songs like hurt which blow away 
the original on his deathbed, like in his fucking 80s. And like there's songs that could bring a tear to your eye. Even the covers like Hurt and Desperado. When he does Desperado, fuck the Eagles Desperado. Go listen to Johnny Cash sing Desperado. Like, oh my God. Like the, the America albums were fucking awesome. They were. And I'm sorry, if you want to look at music as art, Art's supposed to push boundaries and push boundaries people like Johnny Cash and, of course, Elvis did. Now, uh, getting sidetracked a little and kicking it back over to Halloween, I was going to go. My one daughter is going as a zombie cheerleader. She wanted me to be a zombie. I was like, you know, I was kind of thinking I'd be a zombie Elvis. That's something I had on my mind for a little bit, like at a fucking flamboyant, like late Elvis white leather with studs and a cape fucking costume but also do myself up like a zombie. Little too much money this year. And you know us, we blow plenty of money at Spirit of Halloween, which is around the block from Pogo HQ. We're there every week dropping far too much money. And um, their stock seems to be rotating, though, because there was nothing Freddy Krueger related. And then they had a whole section of Freddy, and I was like, oh, shit, no, I'm getting it. I grabbed the sweater. Well, I grabbed the first thing, and I'm like, oh, sweet, it's only 35 bucks. And I look, it's just the sweater. Just the fucking sweater. But at least it's not, like, all cheap. It's, like, a real sweater. I couldn't find the hat, so I grabbed, like, an Indiana Jones hat, pulling that off. It's just, like, a brown fedora, you know? But I got the awesome glove. I was sitting there. I was like, can I play bass with this thing on? Like, with the knives and all that? And I figured out, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I can. Because you know I gotta play some Halloween song in fucking costume i got to play a halloween show last year as beetlejuice but um not this year i'm going to a halloween show the 29th u.s chaos up in caddy chaos in caddy type that in facebook you can find out more it's going to be a lot of fun renee playing it's going to be a good time rude girl jess going as the blink 182 enema of the state nurse her tits will be out it will be sexy she has Jess is six foot tall and she has six inch high heels. I'm barely five foot seven. <laughs> I'm barely six foot with my mohawk. And Jess is six foot like flat foot and she has six inch heels. Gonna be fun, but I'm going as Freddy. And um, yeah, definitely pumped for Halloween. I'm trying, Renee is going as a killer clown. My other daughter going as a killer clown, but I definitely gotta do some uh, Halloween song. I think last year I played Halloween by the Misfits and I was uh, in the Jokers, like a newer, like um, the Harley Quinn that everybody claims to hate because she's so fucking hot. You know what I mean? Another one is, everybody has to hate everything. Fuck Hot Topic Harley. You're just mad because she's skinny, blonde, and hot. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, she's great as Harley. She's great as Harley. I had no idea that chick, what's her, Margot Robbie or something? I had no idea she was Australian. And then it just turned me on like 57 times more. But I'm sorry, dude. I feel like people just want to hate her because she's fucking gorgeous. Like, girls are mad that, like, Harley's a sex symbol. And it's funny, though, because these girls that are all, like, feminist and hate like the Margot Robbie Hot Topic Harley, which like, oh, so you like the Harley Quinn that's brainwashed and controlled by a man who abuses her and tells her what to do and you say, fuck Hot Topic Harley, who leaves the abusive boyfriend and tries to make a mark on her own. Yeah, you sit there and suck on that one, feminist. <laughs> I'm sorry, yo. I'm sorry. I just hate how nowadays I feel like the punk rock attitude is not 
to be like these influences and you know push boundaries it's there to be like we're all in agreement right and we're all on the same side and anyone who says different is shut down right we're all gonna stand here and shut them down right now i know every time i say this i get comments i do all about inclusiveness i'm not saying people can't feel safe and can we shouldn't allow gays and trans no they're definitely totally welcome but like we don't have to in line have the same agreement about everything and hate everything that offends everyone like then how did you get into punk rock then because i i refuse to believe that punk rock is just standing in line it just makes me think of like minor threat out of step the whole sheep thing i'm sorry i just don't get it i feel like nowadays so much of punk rock is just like we all have this agreement and if you don't you're banned we won't support you and it's like you weren't going to support anyway you were going to complain that the show was ten dollars instead of eight and that the seven inch was eight dollars instead of five it's fucking ridiculous back to our list of influences that i think people should really take a second and look at and remember what punk rock was all about and here's one that'll really piss off the stud crowd now this is one that comes a little later and it's a little bit of confusing because one of the true godfathers of punk is iggy pop and david bowie was just trying to be iggy pop by his own telling by his wife's telling and um but i do feel like people don't recognize the impact iggy had on the or not iggy bowie had people recognize the impact iggy had but people don't realize the impact bowie had on the 70s new york scene anytime you read those books or uh, watch documentaries like they're always talking about bowie the sex pistols vivian westwood all them that's the uk scene they were heavily influenced by bowie and if you want to look like I was saying, at pushing boundaries, well, Ziggy Stardust sure as shit pushed some motherfucking boundaries. I mean, you got you got a uh, Wayne County and Jane County. There wasn't too many trans people back then. That was really pushing boundaries. But Bowie wasn't trans, but he was definitely cross-dressing and probably bi and really out there with it. And I feel like, especially at this time. Like, I mean, this is kind of during the Stonewall time. Same thing with the Dolls Man. Like, dressing in drag will turn some heads today, but goddamn did it turn some heads in the 70s in New York. People, punk scene a lot more conservative, not as uh, inclusive as we are now. And uh, I do imagine that uh, people got plenty of hate-filled comments yelled at them for uh, looking like Ziggy Stardust or one of the New York Dolls. But uh, yeah, especially the Spiders from Mars album. I mean, Suffragette City and Queen Bitch, those songs got power chords. They're rocking. They're, they're their own. They're rough. It's influenced by Iggy. So you know what I'm saying? Everybody else on the list is like the decade earlier talking about the Kinks, the Who, Johnny Cash even older now we're getting contemporary to the early days of punk with Bowie but like I really do feel like he had an influence especially on the New York scene he was always at the club and anytime you read something about the Sex Pistols or Blondie or even the Dead Boys there were the Damned they're always talking about 
Bowie. They're always talking about with like like uh, small faces and Rod Stewart and Bowie. They were into that like glamier rock and roll shit. And you got to remember at like this time, Rod Stewart's not doing if you think I'm sexy. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's a different... Stevie Jones, like, half his book is about him obsessing over Rod Stewart and trying to be Rod Stewart and Bowie. And I'm sorry, I mean, the Sex Pistols, you can talk all the shit you want on them. We talked plenty about them in the previous episodes that I definitely recommend you go back and listen to. Definitely pair well with this one. But, like, that was some of the biggest influences in some of the bands, even if you don't like them, that define punk rock. Just because you don't like the Sex Pistols don't mean that they're not the epitome of punk rock. And that's why you don't like them, because you feel that it's cliche. But that shit's cliche. Go fuck yourself. Bowie's on my list, bitches. But uh, yes, yes. So we did the Kinks, the Who, Johnny Cash, Link Ray, and Bowie. That's five. Summing it up with Bowie there at the end. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you've enjoyed all 600 episodes in the unlikely event that this is the first episode you're hearing. Go over to pogocity.com. Check out the other 559 episodes. Lots of fun. Lots of alcohol. Lots of tracks. Lots of talk about shows and uh, plenty of wild cards. The button doesn't work since Sean broke the sampler by spilling beer on the floor and picking it up and putting it on the table next to all the gear so it all got wet. But yes, so no more wild card button for now. But we're going to get the fuck out of here. And we've played all Halloween songs thus far, and we are going to leave with another Halloween song. This one, a cover. This comes off The Sound of Rebellion, Volume 2. The ADD Records Comp loved these records when I was a kid. Tom and Boot Boys on the cover of this one. This song was recorded live in Japan. Mark Unseen on vocals, Paul on drums. Here's the Unseen covering the misfits with halloween please remember to like and share this episode give it a comment share that shit say you listen to it say we talk about punk rock and halloween and we offend motherfuckers that are robots here's the unseen with halloween fuck off and trick-or-treat bitches you're not too old <laughs> thanks for listening to pogo city radio boom this song's called halloween Thank you.
right, that was the unseen covering the misfits. Happy Halloween. We are getting out of here, but uh, I saw some things in the comments that I wanted to mention. I'm pretty sure I don't know the full details about this show, but Chandler is uh, from Virginia, so I imagine this is in Virginia or somewhere thereabouts. Uh, his band is playing um, a bolo. <clears throat> Bolo is playing fucking October 22nd with the Jasons, so that's uh, that's going to be a good time. I imagine this Virginia, so uh, go online and look. Also, the Dead Boys getting ready to do some shows. We had tickets to two of them, but got rid of the one. We weren't going to two shows in uh, two days. My daughter had a fucking heart attack when she heard that. She was like, no! So uh, we are going to the Teaneck Dead Boys show, which I uh, just put the flyer up on Pogo City's Instagram. Go give that a follow at Pogo City Radio. But this Friday in Jersey, we have the Dead Boys, the Breeze, Susie Moon, the OC Rippers, and Grave Blankets. That is an awesome show. I did not know the lineup was that fucking sweet. It's at some uh, music hall in Teaneck, New Jersey. This is the day before Chandler's, and this is in Jersey Friday, October 21st. Like I said, Bolo playing Saturday, October 22nd with the Jasons, more down south. And uh, where is that U.S. Chaos flyer I was talking about? Chaos in Caddy. But uh, yes, looking for that U.S. Chaos flyer before we get out of here. Chaos and Caddy. I know Sean Yunchuk, I'm pretty sure. Putting that together, I can't find the goddamn flyer. Come on, Renee. You're dropping the ball. I feel like Renee is one of the spammiest follows, so I should just go to her page, and it's probably there. Yep. Am I right? No, that's the August one. Wow, she's not being too spammy. Guys, October 29th, Chaos and Caddy. Katasakwa. Go look for it online. Show with U.S. Chaos and uh, some others. I cannot find the flyer, and I'm getting the fuck out of here. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye! God damn, the production value on this show is getting shitty. Party's over.